Today is a conversation discussing the role regret plays in a meaningful life, how we view the aging and decline of health in our loved ones, the creation of consciousness, motherhood, the aesthetics of nature, presence and meditation, communication as it pertains to any enduring relationship, the value of humor in the face of life's weight, in addition to other topics. And this conversation happens to be with the catalyst for my existence, my mom. My name is Evan Liel. I've been continuously traveling for the past two years. And this is simply my humble attempt at capturing the genuine conversations I have along the way, discovering the essence of what it means to pursue a life well lived through the contemplation of love, death, meaning, and existence. What does motherhood mean to you? That's a full question. But motherhood to me is, it changed my life in so many ways that I take pleasure and joy and happiness and sadness and frustration, everything all together. It's, but it's the best thing I think I've ever done, having children, where, being a mother. Where do you find contentment in being a mother? And seeing my children happy and seeing that my, my kids are successful in whatever journey they decide to do, as long as they're happy with what they're doing. That brings me contentment. Um, you're all individual, but I see your growth. I see your laughter. I see your fears. But, you know, that brings me joy, seeing that you guys are, are happy and doing what you guys do and what you love to do. Did you have a lot of concerns before you can't became a parent? Were you, did you have a lot of worries and hesitancies? Yes, I did. Um. I wasn't worried about being a mom, but I was worried when we were going to have kids. And that was something that um, we had talked about, Dad and I. But when I turned 30, and I remember just telling myself, I have no kids, I'm 30. And, you know, and I just felt my clock ticking. And it's like, when are we going to plan a family? <clears throat> After being married several years, a few years now. But that's the only time I felt like I've always knew I wanted kids but when it was going to happen I, I, I was I was kind of kind of uh, just anticipating it sooner than later what was it that drew you to having children in the first place my family I I, I enjoy big families I, I saw it growing up in our families in Mexico um, both my parents came from big families uh, my mom had 12 siblings, uh, 14 total, but my grandmother's twins passed away at birth. And just seeing my mom, the way she raised us, and how happy, and just everything she did for us, um, I thought, that's cool. My mom is always here. And that she inspired me. And, of course, my family, like I said, in Mexico, just large families, family around, gathering, that was kind of my inspiration there, always knowing that I wanted a big family. And 
Was there any doubt when you were a kid that you wanted to have a family or was it always pretty dead set? When I was a kid, that wasn't even a thought. Really? I was just a young girl. I I was very, um, I love how, I love being around the house. I love helping my mom around the house. But that was just being more domestic than it was thinking about children. Uh, But no, as a child, no, I just thought, no, not really. Did you have any, um, I guess my my question is, uh, growing up in a Hispanic household uh, from a family that's from Mexico and pretty traditional in terms of their views and standpoints on a lot of the domestic roles between men, men and women, was that something that you tried to challenge at all as a, as a young kid? I challenged it as a young adult, for sure. Um, as a young child, there were certain things that I noticed that were, you know, not quite to my liking, but as I grew older and wasn't, once I was in high school, I noticed, you know, there was, there was a different shift coming home for me. And I think it's because my parents were born and raised in Guadalajara, as well as my brother and I, and it was very culturally traditional to be driven by the male head of the family. But um, in some respects, I do enjoy the tradition of our culture, my culture. But I knew that I was not in it 100%. Um, There's aspects that I knew that I wanted to keep, but then there's aspects that I knew that I would not want to be because I had I had dreams and goals and being a stay-at-home mom was part of it but not during the time I was young were you ever bothered by the way your brothers were treated compared to how you were treated yeah (laughs) there was times where they were not allowed in the kitchen they were not allowed in the kitchen to do any domestic work The only work that they did was make sure the lawn was done and the lawn was raked and the yard was done every weekend. And it was just funny because the girls were out there, my sister and I were out there helping the boys. But then on the other hand, my mom could be busting her tail in the kitchen and the boys weren't in there, only the girls. So we always laugh about it now, but we we weren't happy about it my sister and I. And that was just the way my dad saw it. The boys are not to be in the kitchen, which I thought, well, I didn't agree with that. I just, I I notice it from other perspectives when I compare it to my own upbringing, where there wasn't really this line that men couldn't be in the kitchen or women couldn't be in the kitchen. It wasn't Mm -hmm. traditional. It was very, I mean, I think now like growing up, been cooking and being older and learning from you. I've learned so much about not really caring about any roles and not being in any sort of mindset where oh, I can't do that role because of certain gender norms. And I, I, and I think that's something I really appreciate that you and dad have raised me in because I, I've noticed it within like your side of the family with grandma and grandpa and 
our aunts and cousins, you know, there's definitely, I think there's definitely more of it on, on that side than I would say in the family that you raised me in. And so it's something I really appreciate because I think I, I f- somehow find myself liking to be domestic and like, oh, ironing clothes and cooking and sewing. <laughs> it's funny how that even gets put into gender at all. Like there is no reason why a, a man or a woman or anybody, a person needs to find themselves in any specific uh, role. I never got that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm terrible at things that are stereotypically considered. Um, I don't like, I don't know anything about cars, you know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I prefer, I'd rather stay and sew or something. It's just easier and it makes me happier than working on a mechanic job. And so I really appreciate you guys not forcing me into any sort of any sort of role like that. Yeah, I get it. Um, and I think my mom was that way. My dad was more formal about things and more traditional. But that's how, how I knew. I mean, it was very interesting, too, because there were times where my dad had cars in, in the driveway and the boys are out there tinkering, doing whatever they were doing to help my dad with the tools and repairing cars. But then on the other hand, I like the fact that my dad got me out there too. And I'm five years older than my younger sister, but I was I learned how to change a tire. I learned how to make sure there was water in the radiator. I learned how to do some mechanical stuff that I appreciate my dad for teaching me that stuff. If I got a flat tire, how do I change it? Or, you know, how to change my oil level or check the oil level. And I enjoyed that because I wanted to be well-rounded. God forbid, when I started driving, I I wanted to know what to do in case of an emergency. And, you know, I ran out of gas a couple, you know, once. And my dad came and, you know, told me, you know, you know how to read the gauge and make sure you always have, you know, enough fuel to get you somewhere in case of an emergency. You know, how to read a map. I mean, my dad taught me how to read a map. And I appreciate that. And I thank him for that because I got lost so bad that I was in tears and I didn't know where I was going in LA. And no, we were down in Huntington Beach and I just didn't know how to get back home. And so those things I appreciate my dad doing for me. But then I think there was also a good balance between my mom too, who taught us so much and even the boys. And I think that was what I appreciate in our household. She, there wasn't a division, but there was some things that were the boys were to do and the girls were to do. But in how I raised you guys, I think we got the best of both because dad was raised so different from how I was raised. You know, his mom had him do laundry and wash dishes and then being a firefighter, you know, you just have to do the housework or the homework, the work that's to be done in the house, in the fire station or in your own home. And so dad and I have always had this understanding that we didn't, we just kind of made it work as we grew in our marriage. Like, you know, we do things together. And to this day, we pretty much do everything together. We, we cook together, we shop together, uh, we do everything. And I think that's what kind of fell into your laps, you and your brother and your sister is that we all helped. We all helped. We're all family. We're a unit. And, you know, we all kind of work together. Definitely, we pitch in. We pitch we in. We all pitch, pitch in. in. And, yeah. and you know how it was after dinner. Everybody pitched in. Except our sister, Marissa. <laughs> well, we don't talk about her. No, we don't talk about her having to blow dry her hair after every single family dinner where she couldn't do dishes anymore. Yeah, some, some, something always came up. 
<laughs> but <laughs> she's so much better now. Yeah. And how long have I'm very proud of her? <laughs> yes, 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 we're all proud of Marissa. Um, how long have you and Dad been married now? Uh, thirty-four years. We're going on thirty-four years. Thirty-four years. We got married nineteen eighty-eight. It's a long time. April twenty-third, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. Don't forget it. No. Um. What? What? What do you consider the most important idea for a lasting relationship? <sighs> Acceptance. Uh, he can change me and I can change him, but I love him. And I think acceptance and love. Um, I believe when you truly love someone, you accept them for who they are. I'm not perfect. He's not perfect. But you know what? It's a good balance because another thing that I would contribute to that would be communications. you got to be in constant communication, whether it's good or bad, happy or sad. We bring it all out. I reflect often on communication. It's this crucial aspect to any relationship, regardless of what it is, friendship, marriage, work. Communication is so important, and we're all, we're all so awful at it so much of the time. And it's difficult. It's extremely difficult to communicate in a way where you're caring towards another person's perspective while at the same time trying to convey what you need to convey and the under the other person you might be talking to is just might be more or less sensitive to how you articulate your words and and the way in which you bring information up because they can take it a completely different way from how you meant it. And it's not, it's not easy for any relationship. And, and, you know, some of my closest relationships, like with my friend, my best friend, John, or, you know, my, my girlfriend, anybody, it's difficult. It's difficult. And, yeah. and it doesn't mean that, uh, it's not that mean we're constantly arguing or, or we're constantly at each other for any specific reason. I think it just means that you have to be willing to bring up difficult things sometimes, and you have to be careful of how you bring them up. Um, and so, what what did would you would you be able to say how, or I guess in regards to communication, what you've learned over the years in marriage, and how you've managed to learn to grow your communication skills within a marriage. I think communication evolves in your relationship. When you're young, you're happy, you're thrilled, and you're in love, and you still are. But it's a different you 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 grow and mature in different levels throughout your marriage. And communication will always be an issue. You're right, whether it's good or bad, whether you hurt that person's feelings or vice versa. And really, to me, it's how you take it, how you dissect it, and how emotionally are you feeling during that time. And and I'm speaking as a woman, as a mom, as a wife. Um, sometimes I get hurt really easily. I get hurt. I get hurt. 
And even though dad may say it in a way that he thinks it's it's communicated right, but I don't take it that way. So as I evolved in my marriage and now that we're both retired and spend more time together, I have to be aware that that's just who, that's how he just says it. And it's not to be taken any further from that. And I, and then I learned to be patient and just, just be patient about the situation. But yes, communication always evolves in a relationship, whether you're married or not, it is crucial. And if there are times where you feel like there's no clarity, you need to bring it up and have clarity because that's how you're going to understand what's it, what he's thinking or she's thinking. And you hash it out sometimes and you have to, you may spend hours hashing it out, but you get to hopefully resolve it and not take it to a point where it's just total frustration all the time. Totally. And I think respect and, and pay, oh, respect yes. is such a, like respect and patience are crucial Oh, I respect your, your dad, like so much. I mean, you know, he has always provided prior to us having kids and has made a home, a life for us. And I, I respect your dad beyond what he's done and um and and i honor him too he is my husband and i made that vow and he did too and he has shown me in his way and i think i've shown him in my way that we honor each other and we honor our marriage you know and you know there's good times bad times and but most of the time i think we've had a good good run so far and how do you get through the bad times That's a hard one because when I got really sick with my autoimmune, I was devastated. I didn't know if I was going to be able to be the same person. Was I going to be debilitated? Was I going to be able to walk again? Was I able, was I going to be, you know, there for dad, for you guys? And that, to me, was probably the one of the hardest things I've been through. And, um, but um, I prayed a lot, to answer your question. I prayed. I, I believe in my faith. And um, I had hope. I had hope that I was going to get better during that time. It was difficult. I, I didn't want you guys to see me this way. And, you know, I just remember being carried with by by. by Brendan and dad up the stairs and it was hard to just see myself that way, you know, really handicapped, you know, and, uh, that I had strong faith that I was going to get better. And my mindset too. I remember just telling myself, you're going to get better and you're going to, you're going to walk. And I went to physical therapy and I did whatever it took, whatever my doctor said, whatever, whatever treatment they recommended, I was for it. And yeah, you know, a few years later, I, I'm much, much better now. But that was a difficult time, one of the most difficult times I think I've experienced it, but got through it. Yeah, I, I, positivity is so powerful because keeping ourselves open to positive experiences that may come and positive outcomes 
keeps you hopeful and keeping you hopeful gives you the strength to continue forward. Yeah, it's a mindset. You know, I could I could have been just, you know, like I was times in bed thinking I'm never going to get better. And but then there was times where I said, "No, you are going to get better." And I was hopeful. And I knew I had to work towards that goal. But yeah, my mindset was I am going to get better. And I knew there was hope and and I yeah, you're right. I set myself up to be who I was before. I think it's difficult though cuz I mean, you tell somebody or you you suggest positivity and i think oftentimes people view positivity in sort of a negative light sometimes because it's not necessarily viewed as the most realistic way of viewing the world and it's not the way i see it but there are a lot of ways in which life can go there's a lot of ways in which things can turn take a turn for the worst and and it might stay that way and you know people die and people end up in objectively negative situations and a lot of the times it's by chance and you don't know why it happened it just does and it's scary and you don't know what your situation might end up in yeah. how how do you keep positive even though you're while maintaining awareness of the negative and and scary aspects of life well to me my 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 number one thing is my faith my faith in god and that to me is what got me through it um mindset also that there was great hope for me that I was going to get better and I prepared myself. I accepted what I my illness, I accepted what my body did to me. I accepted that this was something that was going through me and my body during this this season. But ultimately, I knew that if my mindset was good and I was thinking positive and 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 just praying that things would go back to normal, that I was going to get out of it. And you're right. My mindset was like, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to battle it. I'm going to beat it. And I did. And, you know, on top of not only my autoimmune, but my cancer too. That was, that was hard too, to hear that word. And, um, you know, good thing that was caught early. But, you know, I took two punches pretty, pretty quick within a matter of between two years and uh, Dad being there too, all of you too, that was a big support for me. And um, having you guys around to support me too. And I never forget, you know, thinking, what are we going to tell the kids, David? You know, I have cancer. How am I going to break this to the kids? But we talked about it, and you guys still love us, and you were still there for us. <laughs> there was no... <laughs> question about that. Um, yeah, but but it to me is faith and mindset and positive thinking. I'm a positive person. I think I'm I'm more positive than I am more down about my my myself and who I am and my life. I'm I, I think positive in every aspect. And you know, when you're beaten down, either you're going to fight and battle this challenge or you're just going to let it take you down. And I don't. I want it to take me up. I want to win this battle 
And that to me is what I guess, you know, propelled me to get better, you know, medical care too. So I was very thankful for that too. Good medical care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to be grateful for the, where you live in the world and the access to medical care that you have had access to. Medication, yeah. And that's extremely fortunate to be in that situation in general, general, because a lot of people aren't or they don't get they don't have the the means to acquire it yeah and even in this country it's really sad because i see what the struggles my sister has and she works her tail off on a full-time job but yet her benefits are nothing compared to what we have and and like i said i'm grateful to dad's job that we are able to have insurance that could do give me these treatments into the state Mm -hmm. but yeah and and it's it's very sad to see that not everybody can get the same type of uh, medical attention that we need. Yeah, everybody needs. Yeah. Um, what's the hardest part about being a mom? The worrying, the unknown. Um, that to me is the hardest part. I can't control where you go or you come. Or you and all the and your brother and your sister, that's a hard part. <laughs> letting go of that worry, letting go of that stress that could overwhelm you and make you terribly sick and give you anxiety. Um, that worry is the number one for me. What do you worry about? Your safety. Um, you know, making. I mean, your safety is number one. Your protection. Uh, guidance, um, making right decisions, making good friendships, having good friends, being surrounded by good people, positive people. I mean, those are worries that I shouldn't worry because I trust you guys so much. But that as a mom, yes, just having good surrounding, being surrounded by good people and, and being positive about your jobs and having good careers and whatever, whether it's a career or a dream or what, like you in your case, traveling, you know, that was hard. And same thing when your sister traveled, that was hard to let go. You guys are so young, but yet I I just knew that I couldn't stop you from your dreams. I couldn't stop you from pursuing what you guys wanted to do. And dad and I talked about it and, you know, we put our trust that you guys are going to do okay, that you were going to learn from this experience. So, but even though I, I still worried, but you know, I let go in time to, in time I learned how to let go and, and just see you guys grow and make adult decisions. And, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of all of you, all of you. I noticed the way you and dad reacted to when Marissa did a lot of her traveling in her early twenties and versus how I was dealt when, when I left during my, a lot of my traveling, but so I, I noticed that it's a lot, I had it a lot easier because I think Marissa, Marissa leaving first was, was such a big deal because we grew up in this family dynamic of, of a household of five and we're all pretty, not too far off in age. Uh, Marissa's five years older than I am, but when I go out, I know you're worried, but I, I don't think, I, I never felt like you held me back at all. And so I really appreciate that. And I mean, I guess I had it a little different because I was in the Marine Corps since I was 18. I was also the first person to move out. Um, 
but it, it was uh it was different because I don't know what it's like to be a parent. I don't know what it's like to have children and to worry about them from a perspective of me being their parent. So it's a different type of worry. But but I've always appreciated that I have a family that cares because sometimes families don't care. And mm-hmm. that's sad, that is sad to deal with. Because some people get dealt hands with life that aren't fair and children grow up in households that aren't there mm-hmm. and that aren't available emotionally uh, or or physically and so you know I, I can only appreciate the environment that me and my siblings have grown up in because mm-hmm. of you and dad and because of your help and your uh and the and the the privileges that that were handed to me you know yeah and so you know it's not something i say because it i say it because i have to remain grateful of that and i and i have to i want to check myself often that that's not necessarily the normal way to grow up and that there there are plenty of people my age that that deal with and have dealt with a completely different family dynamic than I ever grew up in and and it's you know I, i'm trying to i try to put myself in that perspective often to to kind of maintain my gratitude around life and and my family because as i grow up and have more experience through life and as i and as we all mature as a family and in between me and my brother and sister, it's, you know, we, we, we talk more and we talk differently. And it's not how like it was when I was talking to Brendan when, when we were 13 or Marissa. When, oh, by, by for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I see, I see our conversations maturing. How was it with you and your siblings when you started growing up and getting older and talking about more of the the deeper aspects of life oh i for sure i mean growing up with your siblings there was all rivalry and fighting and you know little battles but because we were young but you're right i mean as you mature you live your life marissa was one it was a hard thing to let marissa go travel the world the country and the world on our own so young and our being our first child, it was a hard to let go. But I, like I said, it was something that she was passionate about and she had thought about it. And Marissa was pretty mature for her age. And so, yes, we accepted it. We, we, we let her find her, her way in her travels. And she learned so much from those experiences, which she would have never learned if we had not accepted to just have her have that experience and, and forever we'll be thankful for that. Same with you. I think I've always told you guys and dad too that traveling gives you so much experience in life. And that's one thing I didn't do as a young adult. Um, but as much as I wanted to, you know, I, I did not, I didn't travel the world, but I remember having good memories of traveling throughout Mexico and the coastal cities throughout Mexico. And that to me was adventurous. And I love, I love that aspect of it so much. But, um, you know, being married and then raising my family, 
I just knew that we weren't going to stop you guys from doing what you wanted to do and make sure there was a foundation. And to answer that question about not all, all households are, are built the same. Um, our foundation was that you guys are going to be loved and provided and cared for. And whatever issues you guys had that you could always come to us. And I think that was always the, um, not the rule, but you know, just the, the, the caring that we had for you, that you could always come to mom and dad, no matter what. And I always told you guys, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, you talk, you tell me. And I think I have a way as a mom of always getting to the truth. And, you know, I know when you guys are hurting, I know when you're happy, I know when you're down. Um, and, and, and that's fine. But, um, and there's our times where I know something, I, I, even as a mom, it's really weird, because a mom senses, she has this, this instinct that something is not right here with my child. And we, and I will make an effort to find out. And, and I will try to break you out of that shell because I need to know what's, what is hurting my child. And I want to be there to carry them through it. And that's just something I've, I saw my mom do with me and the loving and caring and just, just carrying me through my sadness or my happiness that she was always there for me. And I could tell her anything and she would always listen to me. And that's what I wanted for for my for you and your brother and your sister the same thing that I I'm your mom I I you were in my womb I gave you birth and I loved you and to this day I still cherish you all of you and I will always be there for you you know it's really sad that some kids just don't have that in in their upbringing and um, I see that relationship and in friends that they don't have their children nearby they don't call them they don't know where their children are and that's really that's hard my my I get I have so much pain for family members and friends that don't know where their children are don't know if they're alive if they're well so that's hard for me to to hear from family and friends that you know children their children are not around when you give birth to a child, somebody that gives birth to a child, it came from you, and I'm a part of your consciousness. It's a piece of you that it's a piece of you that you put out into the world and that you create it within yourself. And you know, I think about this from a perspective of somebody who is interested in consciousness. And what consciousness is, and how there's a lot of research being done and questions being asked about the nature of consciousness. And, and I think about it from the way we have produced consciousness already, which is having a child. <laughs> and I think it's crazy, because this is not something I've, I, I, was, I thought about as I was younger, that having a child is a, sort of an insane thing to have <laughs> because it's literally you and somebody else that give birth to a piece of it's like a piece of you a human another a, human another human that is a piece of your brain 
and your my blood flow exactly your body my body that's crazy it's crazy to me and i i i hadn't really thought about it until i thought about it and then i freaked out about it because it's <laughs> it's pretty it's cool but it's also insane at the same time it's something you can't explain and you can't ex- you can't explain it because you can't experience it unfortunately it- the creation of a child and a birth the conception of a child and then to the birth of the child it's 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 mind blowing. It's like nothing you could ever imagine to carry this child, feed this child, care for it before it's even born. It's it's the best. I loved and enjoyed being pregnant, and you I did? would I would do it again. <laughs> really, you liked it? I love carrying did it three my times children. Yes, and of. I three times that we know three. Of. I wanted four, but I think three was good. It was a good fit for us during that time, and because I was getting older too. But it is an it's it's the most beautiful thing I've ever done is giving birth to all my children and there you were all di- birth different cesarean VBAC and then another cesarean but all of my pregnancies were very different but it's it, you're right I mean to put a child out in this world and and to raise it and love it and nourish it is probably to me one of the best experiences I've had in my life. Oh, yeah, because they gave birth to me. That's right. Um, <laughs> Mr. <so>. Ed. <laughs> and now you're on a cool podcast. Um, Bye, Evan. Yeah. What is it like? What is it like to have a kid? What is this feeling of creating a child? Responsibility. And it's very emotional because you see you, you see your, this baby child as an infant and, you know, the first child, of course, was your sister. And we just brought her home. And we didn't know what to do. We just, like, put her in her crib. And, okay, now what do we do? Yeah, we still don't know what to do with her. <laughs> but, but you know, you learn. I mean, you, you go to these classes and these courses and you read every single book there is on child and raising, child raising. But you know what? You do it just also by instinct. Okay, you know, this is what the baby needs now. This is what we need to do do for the baby. And you just get into a rhythm and then you start, okay, this is a phase. This is new. We got to feed the baby, train it, change it, you know, and it just evolves. But it, to me, I totally enjoyed being a mother and I, I thrive in that. Some women have a very, very difficult time raising a child. Um, how do you calm a child when he's screaming and yelling and crying? Well, you take the time. You, as a mom, and this I speak for myself, is you bring yourself to a peace so that you can radiate that peace to the child. And that brings calmness. Just, just simply by holding them and you know having that heartbeat together, I think that was very powerful for me when I nurtured you guys you know, from pain or crying or whatever it may be. And then there was times, too, that you guys would drive me crazy. And, of course, I'd be like the crazy screaming mom. Still do. Yes, I do. But, you know, it, it, it was all experience through experience. And um, I'm not the perfect mom, obviously. I wish I could be the perfect mom. You're the perfect mom, mom for me. I, thank you, honey. I mean it. I know you too. do, sweetheart. Um. There's times I wish I would have done things differently. There are times where I do have some regrets, um, but I do cherish every every moment that I was there to be your mom. It's pretty cool that you're able to do that. A new life, you to raise a life. You're right. 
to create a consciousness. And that's and that's what's crazy is because is like, I think about artificial intelligence and mm. the, the creation of consciousness or or artificial general intelligence that that people much smarter than I am are working on. And and it's just interesting to see how it's being it's happening all the time. The creation of consciousness is mm-hmm. happening all the time, every day. Well, I globally. think we, we explore so much now. We're able to explore so much with the mind, the body, the spirit, everything. Yeah. yeah. Coming along with, with family, um, we're, for, we're fortunate enough to have on your side both, uh, both my grandparents, your parents, and you know I've grown up always having your mom and dad in my life my grandparents but you know we see them get older and we see you know you see your parents age what has that experience been like for you um it's a new phase for sure um i always knew that um i I never imagined my parents getting older as a young child but now that I see them as an adult and I do see them aging and having their health challenges, it is hard. But, you know, thank goodness their their mind is still very healthy. And um, my dad was very lucky. Grandpa was very lucky um, when he had a stroke two years ago that it could have been a different outcome for him. But... Um, it is hard to see them age because, yes, their health is declining. Yes, they're getting a little forgetful. Yes, they need a lot more attention, going to appointments, following up appointments, you know, just part of part of life. Um, but I still see my mom. I see her and I still see the, my young mom. You know, even though her hair is a little white and she's got her wrinkles, but I still see my mother young, vibrant, happy, positive. My dad has slowed down a lot. You know, he has slowed down a lot. He's a lot quieter. Um, you know, my dad was very, you know, as a child, I saw my dad as a very tall, slim man who who was just, you know, someone I respected. <laughs> you know, we didn't talk back to my dad. We didn't, we didn't say anything negative to him. But, um, but I see him soften up a little bit now. But, you know, he was my hero. He was my dad. He was you know, my mechanic, you know, he was everything to me. And, um, but it is a little difficult to see him slow down. Yeah. Of course it's difficult. You know, you see your parents age and I think you have this image of your parents in a certain way when you're younger, where they're kind of the same age Mm -hmm. the entire time. Mm -hmm. And then as you grow and mature, you realize that they're also growing and maturing. Mm -hmm. And, it's it's hard. It's hard to see that. Yeah, it is. Um, and they slow down a lot. They yeah. don't move as fast as they used to. Um, they're more dependent on us. You know, I think we speak almost every other day between my mom and my sister, you know, what we're following up on them, what we need to do for them. And, you know, I'm more in contact with my brother too as well. So, you know... We want them to be want them to know they're being taken care of too, and that's important to me. That I'm I'll be there no matter what, whether it's FaceTime, 
you know, put me on the phone with the doctor. I want to hear every aspect of what's going on with their health and their life. Yeah, and that this speaks to the importance of having a strong family like that that can rely on each other, and it's not just one person trying to take care of. No, because I I couldn't do it. I would need my sister. I need my brother. I need both both of my brothers to be around because. I mean, I'll sometimes send an email blast or a text saying, hey, this is what's going on with mom and dad. You guys just need to be aware of it. But yeah, whether they take action or not, but at least they know. And how much do you think about your parents passing? I didn't think about it as much as I am now. Because, like I said, you know, two years ago, Grandpa had a heart uh, a stroke, and that was very scary because that's the first time I experienced my dad physically down, and and the fact that he stayed in the hospital for almost eight days, recovered from that stroke, and then having that very conver- private conversation with his doctor, and this is during COVID where you were just allowed one guest in the in the room. My mom couldn't go in there and we'd have to switch out. But I remember the doctor looking at me and telling me that in all his medical career, most people that have suffered this type of stroke that my dad had would never have made it. And to me, my dad got a chance to have his life back. And, and because of the attention he got from the medical professionals there and and I'm thankful for his cardiologist but he had said your dad would have been either dead or totally incapacitated and to me I realized either by the grace of God he's here and I'm thankful for that and he has a, another chance to, to to continue with life but yes it, it's shifted now um it's hard to see your parents get older and, you know, having challenges. But on the other hand, I'm thankful, too, that they're around and I get to see them and talk to them and FaceTime. And I see them happy. They're still together. They sit in their little sofas every all day or they go to the market. But they're still in love. They're still together. And my mom is madly in love still with my dad. And I think that's kind of precious to see that. And he is, too. He misses her. She's not around the house. She's out watering the plants or something. He's asking, where's Daddy? Where's Daddy? And I think that's sweet. Definitely. Uh, you know, I see it with you and Dad, too. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But I also see my friends and people that I know that don't have parents that were together. And I think it's, I think it's more uncommon to have parents that aren't, aren't together than, than have them together throughout their life. Yeah. Um, well, I made a vow. In good times, bad times, sickness and health, I'll be there for you. I've never, ever, I mean, when I made those vows, I said, well, here we go. Um, I committed to this, but, you know, you do go through the tough times, you go through the hard times, and then you have very many, many, many happy times. So, you know, it, it it's work. The relationship is a lot of work. A marriage is a lot of work. I have no doubt. I <laughs> yeah. relationships of any any kind are an immense amount of work. It's so easy to let relationships fall by the wayside, and when 
you do, they disappear. And yeah, and it's sad to see. And it's sad to see and because it's it's sad to see when those it's relationships true. are ones you care about. Yeah. And for me, it's been imperative to maintain relationships as a priority in my life. If I can maintain relationships, then I know I'm doing the right thing, regardless if it's at the expense of certain other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and relationships evolve. You have different phases that you're going to go through, and they evolve. But as long as you have that foundation and that communication, and you, you get through it. Totally, and... Not everybody survives, though. Yeah, and, and I'm not, and I don't think, you know, I think there are certain relationships that you have within a certain time period of your life that that you care about and that are meaningful and important. And it's okay if they don't necessarily last for the rest of your life. No, it's okay. And that, so, you know, it's okay. And I think it can sometimes be a good thing. It could be a good thing, especially if there's some kind of domestic violence, child abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, yes. And, you know, there was a history in our family, you know, with alcohol. And it was damaging, it was fearful, it was hard to see. But we survived it, and I knew that's something that I didn't want to bring into my family. Definitely, and and there are so many ways in which you can kind of see that in uh, your life or other people's lives and having, and you have to be aware of it. You have to yeah, cognizant and mindful that mm -hmm. what you see, what you've experienced throughout your life, you don't want to carry forward. No. Or else it's just, no. it's this it's vicious this cycle. cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Um, there are, yeah, drugs, alcohol, it, it just... It, it can bring damage um, if it's not used right, if it's abused, yes, for sure. And that's one thing, you know, I, I try to not, I, I don't do. I mean, I don't think I ever drank a glass of wine raising you kids. I didn't turn to drugs. I didn't turn to alcohol. There were times I was, you know, left to raise you guys without dad. He was busy at work and it got tough. I mean, I'm telling you, it, just, it does get tough. And... Um, but I never did, because I, I, I saw the damage it could do. And this was just something I didn't want to do in my life or, or present to you guys. But now that you're older, you won't shy away from a margarita or two. I don't shy away from a margarita or a good, a good margarita a, and a mimosa. A good mimosa and a good for your mother. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it? What is it? I mean, for, for me, this podcast, and this is something I've talked to you about. It's just pursuing a life well lived. What does that look like? And and as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I think it looks different for everybody. It looks different for you, and it looks different for me, and it looks different for whoever is listening to this podcast. What what does a life well lived look like for you? A life well lived would be health, um, have faith, a foundation, laughter friendship, relationships, um, scenery. You know, it, to me, it's a lot of things. A hug, a kiss, just seeing the sunset, to me. Um, 
But a life well lived is also acceptance of who you are and not trying to control everything that's that this world throws at you. Um, and finding contentment, being happy. And even, I mean, if we didn't live in the surrounding, I'd find a place to live and I'd still be happy somewhere. You know, I, I, I'm... I think as you as you grow and you mature, you see you slow down and you realize it's the simple things that count. It's not all the cars, it's not all the money, it's not about the house. I mean, you really realize that it's it's the small things having you here, you know, seeing the sunrise to me, having new friendships to me. Um, that to me is a well lived life. Travel, the little things. Uh, I agree. I agree. I, it's, I think it's a, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of it's things. It's a lot of things. It could be a song that you hear on the radio. It could be that a life well lived is to have your health and to stay positive and be grounded in your faith. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I think being grounded in my faith has been a big, big thing for me to be where I'm at. What is gratitude? For me, gratitude is seeing you seeing dad thankful for a new day a new year um gratitude i give gratitude in the little things um i i take time to meditate in the morning and pray and i have a little journal i keep with highlights of certain things that have happened to you or, or your sister, your brother or, or dad or the family. And I just put little notes and I'm grateful whether they're in the good times or in the bad times. You meditate? I didn't know you meditated. In prayer. And yeah, I do meditate sometimes. I would just see going outside and just hearing the silence, the breeze, the bird, a hummingbird. I just, to me, that's my meditation. It's not a deep meditation, but it's a meditation of just, hearing nature, you know, going for a hike, feeling the wind in my face or being by the beach and just taking it all in. That is a deep meditation. Mm-hmm. That is just being present. Just being present and, and seeing what's the surroundings, seeing what nature has to offer. Totally. I it, Being outside is so crucial. Oh, I love it. Something I have thought about a considerable amount is why we're so drawn to nature and why we feel as if there's so much beauty in nature and why we want to be it's peaceful around it yes and i i think i keep coming back to the thought that it's because we're from the earth we we are a part of the earth or, or we are this planet is for us this planet is part of us it's a part, part of us yeah we're yeah. a part of it this is our home yes exactly and so we see unadulterated pure nature beauty in all of its beauty and all of its incredible magnificence and it's a, almost a spiritual experience because it's so meaningful that we get to look at something that is a part of our history as as humans as beings you know well i remember when i was recovering we took a trip to uh Oh, what's that? Um, not Yosemite. Yosemite, and where's the one that? Kings Canyon. Kings Canyon. And I remember just, I was at the campsite, and I just remember 
walking my chair and my little hiking stick and I went to where the river was flowing. And I sat there for like at least two hours, just taking in nature and the sounds and it was in the water hitting my feet. It was cold. But to me, to me, that just revived me because I was getting better. I was feeling that this world is amazing and beautiful and and just just being in the forest and, and enjoying life there. I mean, to me, that was a just a spiritual moment for me because this is what this earth is here for me to enjoy, for all of us to enjoy. And, you know, we, we live in a city. We grew up in a city. But it's nice to be away from that. It's nice to be away from it all and just refocus. Yeah, I think there's a balance. Like anything, there's a balance. You could be inside a metropolis or a city for mm-hmm. too long. And then you forget that there's so much just pure nature out there that's not human made. No, it's, and, and you have to escape from the you have to escape from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Yeah, being at the beach. I mean, I'm happy being at the beach or around water. That's that's my happy place. Any water. I I think about what love is, what love means, and. I think of love as a essence of life and our existence and what it is and how we can get more of it and spread more of it. And I see you and I and I think about you often where where I get this sense of love and I find it within you as my mom. And so what do you think love is? Love is so much, so many. It's diverse. Life, love is what you give to. Because if I gave you love as a child, you re- you received it, you accept it, and you know what it's like to give it back to someone like me, your friend, a girlfriend, your brother, and your sister. And and love is everywhere. Love is everywhere. But to me, love is to know that I could give it away to a stranger, to my family, to my friend. Love is big. Love is powerful. I mean, there's intimacy. There's so much love can do. It's powerful. And, and it's very deep. I mean, in this world, to me, is the more love I give, I know I'll receive it too. Kind of like that Beatles song, right? Um, but it is powerful. Love is could change someone's life. And sometimes people can overlove too. But to me, is I would just want to make sure that I know that just by caring for someone, I hope I show love. You mentioned real quite briefly that you can overlove somebody. Mm-hmm. Can you overlove somebody? Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Um, it's not good. Um, you don't think it's a good thing? It's a good thing, but you can't overlove someone where you just depend on that. Mm-hmm. And we all love everybody different, you know. It's good. It's a good thing. I mean, love is beautiful. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> well, and sometimes it's not, you know. You don't receive it back sometimes. And there's hurt. Yes, for sure. There's heartbreak. I've had my heart broken too, and it's hard. 
you know, uh, you know, I, ma- I fell madly in love with your dad. And after seven years, I thought we were going to get married and we're going to have a future together. And, and I remember asking him, you know, are we going to get married? Do we have plans on getting married? And when he told me no, that he wasn't ready for marriage, that just broke my heart. And that was, it tore me down. I mean, it just, I just couldn't believe what I heard. But maybe that was the best thing for us because he understood what he lost and I understood that I wasn't for him and I had to move on. But, you know, life has a way of turning and bringing things back together for a reason. And um, we came back together and united our love. And that's when we eventually, you know, a year and a half later, we got married. But now we know that it's a power, it's powerful too, you know, and it still is. You know, we still love each other very much. Do you think there's anything bigger than love? I don't know. I mean, there's so many ways love is expressed. You know, love is different for everybody, but I don't know any. I don't expect you to have all the answers. I, I don't have them either. That's why I'm asking the questions. <laughs> I know you are. Um, I guess on the same vein of love, you know, we think about beauty, as we talked about. Where do you find the most beauty? I find the most beauty, like I said, being outdoors. Uh, I need to be outside. I need to, like traveling, now that we're retired and we could do more traveling. I see beauty in so many in so many places now. Um, the beauty of being in Ireland and experience that. The beauty of being going across the ocean, um, seeing the sunrise, seeing the waves and just, I mean, there's so much. I see beauty everywhere I go and I try to find beauty in everything. Um, but to me right now, travel is big. I didn't get to do it as a young adult, but I appreciate it and I see it and I try to seek it. And it could be, you know, eating something like uh, fish and chips or experiencing a new food. Um, but beauty is everywhere for me. I see it in nature. I see it even here in my own home, seeing dad's face in the morning, seeing that, you know, we get to share coffee in the morning and catch up on the day, see it talking to you, to me, seeing that beautiful tree outside. Yeah, you mentioned how you 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 didn't travel much as when you were younger. And is that is that something you regretted do, not doing as I traveled, person? but the only travel that I did was pretty limited. It was throughout Mexico, all of Mexico. Yeah. But to say that to go in my 20s to, you know, Europe or Asia or somewhere, no, I never did that. Yeah. But you, it was just because, you know, I, I wanted a job more than to travel, I guess. I, I asked that question because I asked that question to lead to into another one being, is there any room in life for regret? Oh, yeah. I, there's things I regret I didn't do. And there's things I did that I regret doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think life kind of has its way of figuring things out? Yeah. And, and it, it, so I view regret, I guess I should preface it with, with, I should say that 
I view regret in sort of a, a different light because there are things I regret doing, but at the same time, if I hadn't have done them, I would not have learned the lessons that I did learn. Totally. And yeah. so I don't see regret as a bad thing because if we're able to, because we really had no choice in doing that. We made the decisions we've made and we've done the things we've done. And it's not to say I don't take responsibility for what I've done or the decisions that I acted on, but had I not done them, I wouldn't be the person I am today and I wouldn't have grown in the way that I have grown. Oh, I agree, yeah. And so I view regret in in a, in a light that allows uh, a positive attitude to be taken on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. I mean, there's regrets that I wish I'd never done. Yes. But you're right. I learned from that mistake or that experience and just something that I either choose to do again or not. But yeah, definitely growth for sure. Are you somebody who considers themselves constantly growing? Always. Yes. Every day. I tell myself, what did I do to make someone smile? Someone... Did I matter to someone, you know? Did I bring a smile to someone? You know, yeah. I mean, the small things, like I said. It's a big thing for me now. The small things are the big things. You just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. I take things slowly. I, I don't try to rush into things anymore. Yeah. I think often I can forget or get so focused on the larger pieces that I'm trying to put together and the puzzle that is my life. Mm -hmm. And I forget about the day-to-day -day things and the ways that the, it's the, it's the, it's the small actions that we do. Take the time, take the time, take the time to break away from technology. Take the time from just going outside, taking a deep breath. Yeah. Right now it's, it's kind of cold. So I haven't been outside but there are, I go outside, I make it, I like to get outside, whether it's for a walk or just sit outside in the backyard and just, and just read a book or just have my lunch outside and just disconnect for a little bit. But yeah, um, taking a break is good in life. Not trying to figure it all out. Try not to put that puzzle piece where it should go. It's okay. It's okay to stumble or take a U-turn or go, go the other direction. But you'll recover. We all do. Yeah, it's maintaining that hope, mm -hmm. like we touched on earlier, the positive, mm -hmm. the positivity. It's all going to work out. It'll always work out. Yeah. And if it doesn't... That's okay, too. I, I, I sort of take the attitude that as long as I'm still here and I'm still alive, I just got to maintain hope. I have to maintain hope you have that to. You have it's going to gonna work you out. You always have to be hopeful. Yeah. I agree with that. And, and 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 until I'm no longer around, then I can't really do anything about that. So I, well, then there you go. And, but but you're always hopeful. But I'm always hopeful that if I'm still here and aware that things are happening, I I I have to maintain my hopeful. I have to just maintain hopeful about the situation. It's I'm all going to work out. That it, and it I will can tell you that out. from my experience, yes, we we will we. It's not good to stress, overwhelm yourself. Because you know what? 
it's all going to work out eventually. Yeah. And stress is another huge, how do you deal with stress? Not, I'm, I try to breathe and I try to not, and I try to say no to things. You know, sometimes I just have to say no, you know, that can wait. And that's piled up on my desk. Or when I worked, I just said, I'll just have to handle the priority first before I even tackle this. And it's good to walk away because then you come back refreshed and think, okay, now I can conquer this. I'm ready. I'm ready to take it on. Yeah. You think you think stress can be a good thing though? Can stress be a good thing? No, it can hurt you. Really? It could bring you down. What about to the people that have stress as a motivating factor for them? It's not good. For like you. my mom. For <laughs> me, for me, like yeah. I see my mom. Yeah. She she I know she gets anxiety because she to this day she still tries to do everything and I tell her mom you just can't. And you know, she's eighty eighty one, she'll be eighty two. She doesn't need it. She doesn't need a stress. What what do you have to do that's so stressful in your life right now? There's nothing. And it's not worth it because it can damage you. It can hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, everything in balance. Exactly. I find for me, stress can be somewhat of a motivating factor. I mean, there's our, yeah. Yeah. But I I don't consider myself a stressed person. It's not worth it to lose sleep and and not take care of yourself. That's for sure. Because stress can kill you. And that's not healthy. Totally. But you're right. Let it go. It'll slowly work out. Yeah. It's 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 sort of I think it's realizing that we can't control everything either. You can't control basically anything and nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever does happen remembering that so that the small things in life or even the big things in life that occupy your mind they're out of your control and what you can do is manage your reactions to it but it becomes this it becomes the practice of rem- reminding yourself of that that this isn't this isn't worth whatever negative reaction i might want to put towards this or might feel I should react towards this because at that point you're just, you're adding, you're just adding to, you're adding to this already stressful, negative thing. Sometimes it's just good to walk away from it. Let your stressed out, go outside, do something, clear your head, but you're right. Why challenge it? Why challenge the stress? Because you know what? It, it it could just take you somewhere where you don't want to be, and yeah, sometimes you know I've I've done it where you're just so overwhelmed that I just tell myself I'm over it <laughs> and walk away from it. But um, but it's but it's becoming aware of that. How do you become aware of that? How do you become aware of that? Is 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 a different story, and you mentally have to tell yourself, I can't. I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. I need to clear my head. I got to clear my mind and dissect it and figure it out later. Because I think sometimes when you're under stress and you may say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, it gets worse. And then it just, it's just, you don't want to go there. But it, it takes time. It takes a technique. It takes time for you to figure, to just say, let me, let me walk away from it and think about it. Pray about it, whatever it takes to calm you from that stress and breathe and get out. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's why meditation and a mindfulness practice have been so integral to my own yeah. growth. 
because you're able for me, you know, and I'm not somebody who wants to be preachy about meditation or anything, but for me personally, it's, it's just a way of, it's a way of recognizing thoughts and not becoming identified with them. Yeah. And realizing that whatever reactions you might feel emotionally, physically about a certain event that might've occurred, those don't have to be reach. You don't have to grab onto them. If you don't, if you can recognize it, you don't have to, you, you can feel angry. You can feel frustrated. You can feel sad. You can feel hurt, but recognizing that you don't have to be identified with those emotions. It's a freeing experience because you're able to then center yourself in a way in which you can navigate more effectively and in in a more in a more peaceful calm way. Yeah. I agree. Um taking the calm way is better too. I mean, and you're right. Your mind is thinking so fast about a situation, but then you have to say to yourself, I'm I have to bring inner peace too and whether it's meditation or prayer or whatever is going to calm you, yeah. I'd rather take that route than than get overwhelmed and not figure out the solution to whatever I'm dealing with. Yeah. And it it applies everywhere. Oh, I think work, it apl- job, marriage, fan- relationships, everything, yeah. Totally. Uh, and some things are more emotionally charging than others. But I th- it's it's such a worthwhile skill to to have because and and that's why I find it Oh yeah, there's people that cannot handle stress and they can go a different way. Yeah. Totally. And it's just it's, yeah, it's, it's the practice of recognizing that. It 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 comes with the uh, it comes with practice though, like it anything. It does. It does. Um it doesn't happen overnight. It takes practice. It's 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 something that yes, yeah, you have to be mindful about. Yeah, and and it's not and and I think it's a it's a life it's a lifelong pursuit mm-hmm. because yes it, it's not something you can do and then forget about it's a perishable skill and if it's not something you put energy into recognizing you can you can let it fall and and it, and and life can have a a profound impact on you in a way that you wouldn't yeah. want it to and and. And nobody's perfect. I, I, mean, I get stress, frustrated. Yeah, I get, we all do. We're all know. human. It's part of our DNA. We will get stressful. We will get stressed and we will react. Yeah. I mean, I look at, like, for example, dad's job. And I tell him when he, you know, I can never do what you did. How did he handle it? How did he handle major emergencies? How did he handle a medical call? How do you handle reviving someone through a heart attack? That is not in my DNA. I'd be like, I can't see blood. And I'm like, I can't. I react to it. I don't like seeing anything gory. Um, but yeah, I mean, why why can't some people handle this particular stress better than others? Yeah, it's unique. I, I, I find it a very unique and compelling concept about humans that we're all so different. And that certain people can handle certain things that other people couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so there are there are experiences and there are life events that could happen 
right in front of you and me at the same time. And we, would, we were going to have completely we're all different, react different yeah, yeah. reactions. We're going to have completely different reactions. And, and some are maybe more helpful than others. It's interesting because it's what makes every human special. And mm-hmm. it's what makes every person valuable in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone has their own intelligence. Well, I'm thankful that, you know, I, I don't like anything to do with being in a hospital, but I know I have to go to a hospital and I know there's good people there that are going to take care of me and good nurses. And, you know, I, I, so I have to trust that, you know, yeah, as stressful as it is going under, you know, an operating room, but I have to trust that they're skilled and they're professionals and they handle stress a lot different from how I would. Yeah. I mean, that's just one example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's cool. And Oh yeah. I, I, I could never do it either. I don't, I'm not that type of person that would want to deal with blood and, and the insides of people on a daily basis. But I think I can handle certain top, like for me, I think I can handle certain, topics that other people can't handle mm-hmm. and and there are certain aspects that other people can handle that i can't exactly so yeah it's finding the the strength and abilities within every individual person mm-hmm. that can bring the most fulfillment and and it's it's finding that for every individual person oh yeah and exactly. so and i think a lot of us are lost in that way mm. of trying to find what they what what what's best for them and what can will bring them the most fulfillment and what yeah. they can be good at because it's hard for that yeah, yeah it's hard to find it it's Every- hard it's hard to find and it's a certain intelligence that everybody has I, I believe that everybody has a specific type of intelligence that we might not recognize or they might not recognize but it's there mm-hmm. and there's there's something special about that person that they can do that almost oh. nobody can do like they can. Oh, I know. And I it's so true. I mean, true life events that this person took the rest to do something for another human. And I, I'm thinking to myself, would I have ever been capable of doing such a heroic accomplishment for someone else? And how does that happen? I mean, what overcomes and what brings them to that level? Yeah. But I think also we can be, we can accomplish and we can, we can accomplish things that we never thought we could accomplish. And you're right. You're probably right. That mindset, we, who knows in that spare moment, that quick second, what we are capable of. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it takes the experience of doing it. I mean, you know, are you the person that's going to jump in front of a bullet for somebody else? You don't know until you're you know. there. You don't know. And that's something I do reflect on often is you know, not maybe not necessarily that specific situation, but yeah, what situations okay. would I have the possibility of being in that you would die for that person? You, you, you would, would die t- for that person, or something drastic, some drastic action needs to be taken. How would you? How would I react? Yeah. What would I do? We don't know. It only takes a few seconds, split seconds, to make that decision. You're right, and we don't know. And I hope I never get into that to be in that situation. But you're right. It, it, you just don't know what you're capable of until you're there. Yeah, and you never know. You just never know where mm-hmm. you're going to end up mm-hmm. and what 
what situations you might be in. Um, do you do you think often about the lives of other people and how they're completely different lives from, and they live a completely different life from how you do? Oh yeah, all the time. My sister, she's a good person, loves, has great faith, loves her family, loves her parents, loves loves what she does, but. I wish she would get the love that she deserves. And and to see what she does. I mean, she does so much for her family and and it's hard to see her not to get the love in return and the care and the love and the the nurturing that we all want. As a human being, we all want to feel a hug, a kiss, um a thank you. And that's hard. That's hard to see that she doesn't get it. And she gets it from her, from her family, but it's different. And, and it, it does hurt me when I see her that way. And when I talk to her, it does, it does hurt me. She doesn't deserve it, but, you know, she's still a good person. She gets up every morning and does what it takes to, to provide yeah, I, you know, she's not the only person that deserves more love than they get. No. And. But I wish she she would, um, I mean, I see my life, I'm, I have more than what I need, more than what I ever expected my life to be. And the comfort, the placement where I'm at, the scenery, and I wish she would have that. And that sometimes I feel like I want to take her away. Just take her away. Keep her here. Keep her with me. That I can't do that. But I just wish sometimes she could have that experience of what a good life, a good, healthy life and relationship can be. Shout out to Auntie Dodie. We love you. We love you. <laughs> um... With all no. my heart, my little baby girl. Um, no, yeah, it's it is something that's difficult to see, especially as your own sibling, because you grow up from the same environment, grow up from the same parents, same and we're household. So close, and you're so close, but you can lead dramatically different lives. Amen to that. And yeah, you know, it's not. It's not. It's not fair, or it's not. It's not fair, but I think she she knows it. It'll be better. She knows it's good, and she knows she knows things will get better. Yeah, and I think something I always respected about Auntie Dodie is she's always positive. She's like she's always, always laughing. Positive. She's always always laughing. cheerful, busting up a laugh, saying yeah. a joke, saying something funny. And that's what I admire her, because yeah. I'm not that way. I can't bust out a big, hearty laugh like she does. I wish I could. But, you know, she is who she is, and I love her. Yeah. And I and you're right. Her, her, her laughter just brings me joy. Yeah. And I'd rather hear her laugh and, and, and be happy and say something funny, or she'll, she'll just call me, oh, I got to call you, because I said something. Mom said something really funny, and then she's just laughing and laughing. 
in in a moment where she her life is going a different way, but she takes that moment to to bring laughter to herself and to others, and I love her for that. Yeah, yeah, she's always been the aunt that I always valued as as just goofy, <laughs> goofy, and funny, loving, and fun, and just bring bring the mood lighter. Yeah, she'll bring the she'll moods. bring the mood lighter. It could be a heavy, heavy moment. Heavy moment. She'll snap you right out of it. Yeah. She'll like okay. Let's go do this. Yeah. Yep. She always keeps a positive energy. Yes, she and does. I never, you know, every time I grew, grew, you know, visited her when I was a kid or we had family events, it was always like, oh, Auntie Dodie's in the room. Like, it's, yeah, it's going to be goofy it and funny. And same, yeah. I think it translates with our cousins as well. Oh, yeah. Cause and they're it, all different and they're all beautiful. And yeah, they have their traits, yes. And yeah, and it's like goofy and laughing. and There's a lot of levity there for sure. And yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah. Because life's serious sometimes and it's hard. And you can't, no, you don't want to be serious all the time. You got to have laughter and joy and happiness all around and family. And that's where you want to be real. Totally. I, for me, it's, I think I can get pretty, I think, I don't know. I, You're I the te- same way too, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I believe I am. I've, I've, I think I can get, I think I can, for me personally, I feel as if, I gravitate towards the heavier side of life, but the way I balance that is by being a smartass yes. and and then and just joking around when when it's not an environment where I want to think about the <laughs> yeah the heavy no, I agree. life parts. Yes, and we got to bring that levity. We got to bring that. We got to burst it. You know, we got to just make it happen and shift it. But yeah, yeah you're right. You can you could bring it on too. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I've learned from. I mean, your side of the family, as well as um, like our my grandpa, Papa. Yes. That is he's, also equally oh, as smart ass as I am. Yes, he is. That's where I get it from. But you know what? He's one of the most sweetest men yeah. I've ever met. Yeah. And I love you, Papa. Yes, totally. I mean, obviously. Um, Dad. It's family. And that's what it boils down to. Well, this is our family. This is the life we have with them. And um it has so many aspects, but you're right. We're surrounded by love, and we love each other so much that we would be there for any one of us, either one, family, cousins, you know, grandparents. But you're right. And um, it's it's good. Life is good. Life is good, and I hope that I brought some something good to your life. Well, I think I brought... More than good. More than good. And I hope to the day I die that um, I'll, I'll always be there for my kids, my husband. For my family. You got no choice. For my familia. La familia. La familia. Um, All right. Well, thank you, Mom. I love you. I love you too, sweetheart. And thank you for being on this episode. I love it. I'm proud of you. You keep up the good work and uh, see what flourishes. Thank you. All right. Love you. I'll see you. Bye.